the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the Bob Fratz Authority on AM 1420. The answer. It is indeed. And hour number two is underway now at nine minutes past 10 o'clock on AM 1420. The answer. It's the 11th. It's a Tuesday, the 11th morning of the 12th month of the year of our Lord 2018. Appreciate you being here. And you know what Tuesday means. Tuesday is cursing our day almost every week. And that's our early Christmas present to me and to you. Peter Kersenow, of course, Cleveland attorney, a member of the United States Commission on Civil Rights, noted and celebrated author, and of course, the host of the Kersenow Report you hear weekly throughout the day here on AM 1420. The answer. Pete, Merry Christmas, my friend. How are you? Merry Christmas, Bob. Doing well. It's a sunny day, 107 days to opening day, and I woke up feeling dangerous. <laughs> You're not the only one. My goodness gracious. Baker just uh, continues to light it up. He's already got 2,800 passing yards and 19 touchdowns. He's only started 10 of the 13 games, as you know, because of the uh, uh, decisions by Hugh Jackson to start to Tyrod. And, uh, man, did he look good on uh, on Monday. I only wish somebody would have seen this coming. I wonder if uh, – or on Sunday, rather. I wonder I wonder if – I just wish somebody would have seen this coming and, and advised the Browns ahead of time in this over somebody like Sam Darnold and Josh Rosen and the others. Yeah, I think Hugh Hewitt supposedly did so, but uh, my, recollect- my recollection is that that's uh, he's got his history mixed up there. Uh, he's a purveyor and practitioner of fake news, I think, when it comes to uh, when it comes to the Baker Mayfield story. All right, Peter, a uh, lot of ground to cover today, um, and I know you. Uh, as I-, I told the audience this morning in the first hour that. You wanted to discuss the general direction of the country at this particular point in time. Roughly two years into the Trump presidency, come January 20th, it'll be officially two years since his inauguration. Uh, and that's fine. Uh, but, but I want to ask you about a little bit of the news of the day. Um, and, and particularly, I wanted to ask you about the suggestion, if not outright allegation, that the president is guilty of campaign finance law violations because he paid off, and according to the Michael Cohen filing, Individual one instructed him to do this, to pay off Stormy Daniels and the um, Playboy Playmate to keep the uh, uh, news of their affairs quiet. Um, the president, there is no, to my knowledge, Pete, there is no evidence that the president used campaign contribution funds to pay these women. He is rich beyond belief. He's worth billions of dollars. He could have come up with a couple hundred thousand dollars each without even blinking. Um, which I'm sure he did. But they're trying to say that he used his own personal money to impact the election because public knowledge of these affairs would have perhaps cost him votes. Therefore, he made his own campaign contributions and then used that money in an illegal manner. Speaking from a legal perspective, can you shine any light on that? Well, I'll do my best. Uh, campaign finance laws are serpentine, arcane. They're they're uh, opaque to many people, including myself. So uh, I don't profess to be an expert on such things, but I have read the experts, people like Brad Smith, who is a former uh, Federal Election Commission chair, and uh, also looked at some other scholars, even referenced uh, some works and columns by Alan Dershowitz. And what they say, and what makes sense to me, taking a cursory look at some of the regs and laws, 
is that what Trump did is not a campaign finance violation, despite what the talking heads that you see on CNN and MSNBC and elsewhere saying. They were so desperate to find something because they haven't. Remember where we started. I mean, we we are. It's really amazing that you don't hear from many of the talking heads in mainstream media anything related to Trump Russia collusion anymore. That's what this is all about. But we have uh, descended into some campaign, alleged campaign violation, where Trump has used money to save himself potentially from embarrassment. I don't know what his full motivation was, but that's the most plausible one. He used his own money. It didn't come from campaign coffers. He did what is perfectly lawful. It may be embarrassing. It may be, for a lot of people, somewhat, uh, you know, frankly, tainted and despicable. But he wanted to keep these individuals from disclosing uh, apparently relationships that he had with them, Stormy Daniels, and I think her name was Karen McDougal, the former Playmate model. And uh, so he paid the money, uh, perfectly lawful to do so. So that's not a violation. Came from his own pocket. That's not a violation. Even if he directed um, uh, Cohen to do so, based on what I've read from Smith and Dershowitz and others, not a violation also. This is simply an attempt on the part of, I think, a lot of folks in the media and anti-Trumpers, whether it be in government or outside of government in the media, I think to gin up something where they have been unsuccessful in doing so in every other facet of the Trump-Russia collusion investigation. But what this will do is, and it has already, I mean, we knew this going in, that it will not at any point prevent the Democrats from using anything they can find. If, if Trump failed to pay a jaywalking ticket, it's an impeachable offense. So they're going to use this as part of an impetus to uh, bring articles of impeachment, which I'm, I'm almost absolutely certain I think all of us believed that they were going to do it from, from day one. And this is just another basis upon which to do so. But consider that this is something that predated his um, ascendancy to the presidency. Now, you know, you can impeach a president for almost anything. It's a political um, procedure. Now, he's never going to be removed from office. It's simply not going to happen unless something really remarkable is disclosed in the process. And if it would be disclosed, that will be truly surprising, given the fact that we have an independent counsel who leaks like a sieve, who's been looking for anything and everything for two years. And the most he can come up with are these little pop gun charges that go against associates and, frankly, associates that are not even with anywhere within the inner circle. And we also have MSNBC, CBS, NBC, Washington Post, New York Times. They're spending probably five to ten times more than the independent counsel is trying to find something on Trump. Every single day, it's 24-7, Trump, Trump, Trump. They've got investigative reporters out there, and yet nothing's come up of, of any substance. Bottom line here is, um, as I said, based on my review of the analyses by experts of this, it doesn't appear as if there's anything remotely close to a campaign violation, but that won't forestall any kind of claim that he should be impeached coming from the Democrats. Pete, um, the last thing on this, and then we'll get into the uh, the review or the the, dire the direction that you wanted to discuss. Um, couldn't the case be made that the president is actually the victim here? Again, maybe a victim of his own creation because he's the one who, you know, reportedly had these affairs. And I don't even know if there's even a doubt about that anymore. He's long been known as a billionaire playboy who cheated on his previous wives as well. But um, 
Isn't he a victim of extortion? These women had their high-priced attorneys demand these payments from him uh, in order to keep quiet and not embarrass him or ruin his, uh, his public image or his, uh, uh, his, his chances at becoming president. I mean, isn't that textbook extortion? And he essentially is just paying the extortion money, which also isn't a crime. Probably, you know, probably something that most people would, would feel compelled to do. A very good argument can be made that that's, in fact, the case. I know that others have made it who are versed better than I am in criminal law who say it's extortion. I will say this, that uh, consider what's happened here. I mean, uh, you may disagree, and I, look, I, I would never engage in that type of conduct or enter into such a nondisclosure agreement because I wouldn't have a, a cause to do so. And I think 99.9% of your audience is appalled that he would do something like that. But we're not surprised. Appalled, but not surprised. And we've made our peace with that uh, because we understood that at this particular moment in time, a Donald Trump's virtues far outweigh any of the negatives associated with him, especially as contributes to uh, the country and the need to have beaten Hillary Clinton at that particular moment. But he entered into a nondisclosure agreement, paid good money, you know, even for Donald Trump, to make sure that that happened, and he didn't get the benefit of the bargain. Uh, these people betrayed him, and, um, you know, <laughs> the, the Stormy Daniels of the world and the, the Avenatti's of the world They've decided that, you know, maybe they can get a little bit more or maybe a little bit more fame because now he's ascended to the presidency. And uh, so they're going to they're the ones who right. broke the agreement. It was an agreement. They it was did. A perfectly lawful agreement. You know, it could be enforced in court. And you saw that, unfortunately, Avenatti and Stormy Daniels found out that was the case and are now on the hook for I think it's eight hundred thousand dollars in legal fees. That's exactly right. And Avenatti has to pay the press. How about that? I can just imagine when that happened. He'd file bankruptcy before he'd actually scratch out the check with Donald Trump to pay for all of his legal fees with everything that he has said about him. But uh, uh, but that's a, a different part of the story, and I don't want to go too in-depth on it right now. All right, Pete, um, it's 1018, so let's let's get the first part of this in here before we have to take our break. You wanted to discuss the general direction of the country right now at the midpoint. As the Democrats get set to take over the House of Representatives and thus uh, you know lead the way in terms of all matters of legislation. Uh, where are we two years in, in terms of the direction of the country, Don? And I'll just let you take it as you see fit. Sure. And I'll, I'll be somewhat brief on this. What um, I spoke about, and by the way, uh, kudos and and uh, shout out to my friends at Medina County, fa- friends and neighbors. Uh, I speak there not uh, as frequently as I would like, but every once in a while they invite me to come speak there. And one of the things that I addressed there was that we have got this kind of divergent path in the direction of the nation. In so many ways, we are doing so much better. I mean, it is inarguable that we are in a far better position right now than we were two years ago at the conclusion of the Obama administration. By almost every measure that you can measure governmental performance, we're doing spectacularly well. The economy arguably is the best in our lifetimes and far better than any time in the last 15 years. Uh, you, I could go through a host of metrics. I've done so before on the show. I won't do so. I think your audience knows them. We've been pummeled with them, but for good reason, because the media won't tell you about all the spectacular things that are happening. But for the fact that the media and the Democrats are on this war path against Donald Trump, the news reporting and the general feeling of people in the country would be outstanding as it should be, because, uh, as I say, economic measures, safety measures, uh, world peace measures, uh, all these things have made not just 
slight improvements, but dramatic imp improvements just in the last two years. And sometimes they've been record-breaking performances, things we've never seen before in our lifetimes or even in the history of the country. That said, um, we have found out some interesting things. And again, I'll keep this brief because I know you need to go to a break and maybe we yes, can sir. pick up on it. But the fact of the matter is we have, I have been, even though I'm in the middle of it, and I've even spoken about it on your show before Trump was even elected, uh, the so-called deep state is far deeper, broader, and more powerful than even I thought and I think many of us ever thought. And it's troubling, scary to a point, and it has thwarted, I think, and, and harmed and corrupted uh, American progress. In addition to that, our culture is <laughs> um, its dispiriting to see the direction which our culture goes. And as many very smart people have said, the old trite phrase that um, you know, politics is downstream from culture, that is in fact the case. And our culture, I, I think right now, is nothing to write home about. It's very troubling, and I think it portends a path that this nation is taken Unless we reverse course or at least, uh, you know, uh, tap the brakes, it, it's not going to, the outcome is not going to be a pleasant one. And maybe we'll have a sh short pause during the Trump presidency, but you can't have a culture like this and expect the country to prosper. Uh, wow, you, you did keep that rather brief, uh, especially for you. That's great. I want to follow <laughs> up on it. <laughs> I want to follow up on it, Pete, but you're right. Let's take this break right now. It's 1021. We're going to look at our traffic. We'll come right back and talk a little bit more <clears throat> about the direction of this country uh, as Peter Kirsten now sees it. And uh, if you would like to be involved, by the way, <clears throat> I've said this before. Send me a tweet uh, at uh, uh, Radio Done Right on Twitter. Radio Done Right. Send me a message for Peter. And uh, if you've got a question that you would like Pete to answer, or if you have your two cents to add into it, we'll uh, get that on the radio coming up on AM 1420, The Answer. All right, a great job there by uh, Samuel running our show today to clear a little bit a little bit more space for Peter Kershaw uh, to talk more about the direction of this country. Pete, you know when we, uh, we you know we could sit here and spend a half an hour honestly listing all of the great accomplishments that the president has uh, already been responsible for <clears throat> or helped guide uh, through the legislative process from his position in the Oval Office, you know, from regulations, uh, deregulations rather, uh, and, uh, you know, employment uh, numbers and tax rates uh, lowering and more take-home pay and all these different things. We can sit here and do that, which we've done many, many times. Um, but the question becomes, uh, what is the goal in the second two years of this term and what is reasonable and realistic as we talk about that continued growth? He's going to sit down with his two biggest adversaries today, uh, in fact, that might be going on right now. Is that a 10 o'clock meeting or an 11 o'clock meeting? I know it's late I, this my morning. I, I thought it was supposed to be a noon meeting, but I mean, okay, I know maybe. it's going to be, yeah, I, I know it's going to be around midday, but. Um, <laughs> he's he's going to sit sure down with two people who are going to do everything they can to to erase what he has already done. And while they probably won't be successful in that, they can get in the way, if, especially if they file impeachment proceedings, particularly Nancy, of course, in the House, just to try to limit anything that he can get done in the second two years. So am I wrong to be really skeptical about what the president's able to accomplish in the next two years? Because, again, Pelosi and Schumer, just for an example today, they're going to sit down and offer him $1.3 billion, down from the $1.6, which is already a far cry from the $5 billion the president wants for the border wall. They're going down. They feel like they have all the leverage in the world right now, and they don't have to give him anything. So am I wrong to feel very negative or, or uh, you know, a, a bit... Uh, 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 depressed, if you will, about the prospects of the second two years being as effective as the first? 
Yeah, I think that's justified. I think uh, a certain level of skepticism definitely is in order because we are going to have for the next two years impeachment or impeachment talk. Democrats have the House, which means no meaningful legislation is going to get passed. I do think Trump is going to, you know, do whatever he can from a regulatory perspective, things that he can do as uh, head of the executive branch to um, continue to implement his agenda and finish the complete and utter repeal of the Obama legacy, which is almost done. I mean, there's hardly any trace that Obama was even president, other than the fact that he keeps popping up and trying to take credit for whatever Trump does now. By the way, if Trump's so bad, as I saw a cartoon say, if Trump's so bad, why is Obama trying to take credit for everything he does? Oh, no kidding. But, then, yeah. But in any event, um, I, I agree with you. I think that we're going to be in a legislative stasis. I don't think anything's going to be going anywhere. There will be certain things they can agree upon. For me, the overarching issue, and I bet it is for many of your listeners, is the wall. Uh, I think that it's more than symbolism. It's necessary for our economy. It's necessary to secure our, our for national security, to reduce crime rates, a whole host of things. And it was Trump's signature campaign promise. And they're going to be, as you said, talking about $1.5 billion or so. Trump is, I think, going to put down a marker of five-something billion dollars. And even that's not going to get the, the most of no, the bill. No, that's one-fifth of what's needed. And they were, they were, they were, they were uh, out, uh, laying out uh, roughly $1.6 billion. And according to what I heard this morning, they're going to drop that to $1.3 billion. They don't have to go up toward Trump's number. They're actually going away from it because they feel like they have a mandate now that they're in control of the House. Yeah. And, you know, it's easy for me to sit here in Cleveland, Ohio, and give the president of the United States advice. And I'm sure that he is also cabined to a certain extent by what all the, the Republican senators and congressmen are thinking and doing, because they're afraid that uh, something that Trump does could affect their electoral prospects also. But that's one of the reasons why Trump was elected, because I think at this particular moment in time, the American people understood that we needed somebody different from the old cookie-cutter politician, because we needed to break through the wall, no pun intended, and get certain things done that no other conventional politician would do. And so we've accepted some of the warts and, and blemishes that come along with the Trump presidency. And, mm -hmm. and, you know, frankly, they won't bother me all that much. Yeah, I would prefer somebody who comports himself more like George H.W. Bush, but a George H.W. Bush couldn't get one-tenth done that Trump could get done. You want a guy of his demeanor, of his composition, who fights uh, like he does to go through the brick wall that we're facing in terms of the culture in the Democratic Party. What I would hope he would do is stick to his guns. And I know that by doing so, it might prompt a government shutdown. And I say, so what? I think the fact that the politicians are so afraid of a government shutdown, it's an overblown thing. And if you take a look, just simply go back and think about every time there was a threatened government shutdown or a government shutdown. And every single time it happens, despite the fact that in most of these cases, it's actually triggered by Democrats, Every single time it happens, the Democrats, I'm sorry, the Republicans get scared, the Democrats and media, but I repeat myself, continue to say that Republicans aren't going to suffer as a result of the government shutdown. And then you look at the next legislative cycle and what happens, it turns out the Republicans actually do better. I think that if it were me, and again, so I've, got, I've got no dog in this fight because I'm not an elected official, but I would go to the wall on this thing. Who cares about a government shutdown? 95% of the government's going to continue to operate anyway or at least essential services, and go, go to the brink on this thing, get as much funding as you possibly can. I would say go for the entire wall. I know that's not 
politically feasible. But you know what? If anybody could pull it off, it would be Donald Trump. Go for it. Try to get as much as you possibly can and call the Democrats bluff. You will be supported by your base. They will go absolutely nuts if you if you do so. They will and beyond beyond his base, Pete, peace beyond his ba- uh, base. Uh, and, and I know we got to go here, but um, somebody called me yesterday and suggested this, and I completely concur. I think he needs a primetime television address. I think he needs to not just do the tweeting. He needs to come out there. The great big uh, slideshow presentation of everything that FAIR, for example, Federation of Americans for Immigration Reform, uh, uh, have that details line by line costs of illegal immigration in this country that that add up to roughly $100 billion annually. This one time $25 billion expenditure on a wall will save this country hundreds of billions of dollars over a four, five, six, seven, eight, ten, ten year period. Spell all that out, and I think it'll go beyond the base, Pete, and I think we'll get some, some, uh, you know, some middle of the roaders uh, on board and saying, yeah, build a doggone thing. Exactly right. And I think it doesn't hurt when a, politicians, a politician acts out of principle and courage. And in this case, I think he'd be rewarded for it. And, as a, you know, look, there are going to be weak need Republicans out there. And thank goodness the advent of Trump has actually shored up the spines of many of these folks. But there are going to be some folks out there that are going to be wringing their hands, thinking that it's going to have a political uh, fallout that is going to be harmful to their electoral prospects. But I think they will be rewarded in the end for the reasons you've just mentioned and the reasons I mentioned just before that. Go for it. Finally get it done. It was your signature campaign promise. And let Pelosi and Schumer and the media, but I repeat myself, whine and moan and threaten to shut down the government and say that this is not what we are as Americans, all that other crap that they like to do, excuse my language, but go for it, stand firm, you will be rewarded. But most importantly, it's what's best for the United States of America. No question about it. Peter Kersenow, always a pleasure. Thank you so much, my friend, for all of your great analysis. We'll talk to you again soon. Thanks, Bob. Stay dangerous. Yeah, <laughs> you as well, my friend, you as well. 1032 uh, AM 1420, the answer back after this. News. Ten thirty-eight. Now the Bob France Authority continuing on AM fourteen twenty. The answer. Great stuff from Peter Kirsten out as always. Uh, you know, sometimes the best guests are unexpected guests. Uh, I did not have this plan going into the program today, but I got an email. During the uh, Kersenow interview, actually, and I took a look-see during the commercial break and uh, said, what does Tom Z want? Tom Zawistowski sent me an email. And it said, Bob, after much discussion and prayer, I decided to run this ad in the Washington Times today. And I took a look at the ad and I said, I like that ad. And rather than me read it to the uh, listening audience, I said, Tom, can you come on and tell us what this is all about and why you're doing it? And Tom Zawistowski came through for us. So Tom Z, who, of course, in addition to being the president of the We the People Convention, is also the host of Talkin' Trump with Tom Z. Uh, uh, joining us now on AM 1420, The Answer on WHK. And if I could find the doggone right button here, I would bring him up, I promise. There it is. Tom, good to have you on our program again, my friend. How are you, sir? I'm well. Good morning to you, and Merry Christmas to you, Bob, and all of your great listeners. And to you as well, my friend. Thank you so much. Um, and I'm so glad we started saying I did it to Kirstenau before, too. I love it. It's December 11th, and we got at least two more weeks now full-on Merry Christmases, and it makes me feel good. Uh, okay. Right. 
Tom, uh, so let's do this. I just laid out the background for the phone call today, and I appreciate you coming on on short notice like that. I just saw the message, and I just read the text of the ad during the last half hour uh, that you put in the Washington Times today. Uh, why don't you give us the, uh, the layout here? Well, you know, I think that a lot of us are feeling uh, that we, we have a disconnect with the president, that he's, you know, taking all these slings and arrows for us, but, you know, we're really not supporting him enough and, and helping to protect him. So we decided that we would take an ad in The Washington Times, and that's because one of the four newspapers the president reads each day is The Washington Times, and they deliver it to all the congressional offices. And the headline says, Mr. President, whatever made you think that we the people expect you to do this alone? And, and what we want him to know is he's not alone. And that we, the people, are ready to act if he calls on us to support him more. And not just voting, Bob, but actually, you know, to, to you know, go and, and demand that we get the border wall funding that these Republicans we voted for promised us. And so that's what the ad was about. And we hope it's going to have some impact uh, in, you know, with the president and, and with, you know, Pelosi and Schumer meeting today. Hopefully, it'll give the president a little leverage to say, "Hey, look at these people. My supporters—they want all 25 billion. You're only offered 1.5. We'll give him a little leverage with them today. We'll give him some leverage with the Republicans who do not want millions of us in Washington demanding that they do what they said they would do when we elected them." You know, uh, Tom, I love the idea. I love the concept. Excuse me. I love the philosophy and the gesture. I don't know. Uh, how effective it's going to be. They seem to be really emboldened right now, talking about Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer. As I said to Peter last segment, uh, from what I read this morning, um, they, they have lowered their outlay of money for border security. And this isn't even for the wall. Nancy Pelosi has declared the wall to be immoral. Uh, but yeah. for border security in whatever capacity the president wants to use it, uh, they're saying not 1.6, which we originally had laid out for this, but 1.3. Uh, so they're moving away from the president's $5 billion request down to $1.3. So it's going to take an awful lot of leverage to, to get them to bend, I think. Well, and, and, and so the, here's the real challenge for us, we the people, and that is if we can't get it now, what chance do we have of getting anything in the next two years? My thought is None. it's zero. It's zero. So I don't care what we have to do. I mean, when the president threatens a shutdown and our ad says, you know, you promised to shut down the government if we don't get this funding. We will back you. We, If you want, we'll come to Washington and we'll literally shut down Washington. Because if two million people show up in D.C., I've been there before with big crowds like that. Washington shuts down and they won't get anything done. But this is the time to act, Bob, because it's never been so clear how crucial it is. And as they saw in our ad, I have a little graphic that just says, the simplest, most common sense thing that all of us know. The one-time cost to build the wall is $25 billion. The annual cost of illegal immigration is $130 billion. We're not spending money by building the wall. We're making money by building the wall. Yeah, that is exactly right. That's something else that I had discussed with uh, numerous times with the Federation for American Immigration Reform and with Peter last half hour. That You know, Tom, I, I, I really think, and I'll credit a caller for bringing this up yesterday, it's time for a primetime address. It's time for, before this Congress is out, before the, the clock runs out on us, because you're right, once Nancy takes over and gets that gavel back, forget about it. All bets are off. Uh, it's time for a primetime address, not a tweet. The president needs to go on every channel at 8 p.m. 
uh, one night next week or this week or whenever uh, before this thing is too late and lay it out line by line. Here's that $130 billion figure that you pointed out and that FAIR and other uh, immigration uh, uh, organizations have studied on. Here it is line by line, $130 billion, not total, annually. This is every year, three years, four years, five years, six years. You know, in, in less than a decade, we're talking about a trillion dollars is the cost of illegal immigration in this country, and we can make it all go away. For one time, a one-time expenditure of $25 billion. I want him to get on TV and make this case to the American. You talk about leverage from an ad in the Washington Times, which is a great start. I think he needs to get this before the public. Well, see, and that's exactly why we took out the ad. We're inviting the president to do that. The ad says, okay, we, we you know, ask that you and Congress keep your promises. Then if Congress doubts your and our resolve on this critical issue, it is incumbent upon you to demand of us that we, the people, come to Washington and support our position. Okay, if need be, we will act. uh, We will uh, act to uh, make clear to our representatives that they must provide the wall funding and we will shut down our government if you don't. This is the time. And I'm with you. All of us feel the same way. Mr. President. You don't have to do this alone. We're here. It's our government. It's government of the people, by the people, for the people. So it's incumbent upon we, the people, to do something about this. Just make the call and we will come. You know, we've talked, Tom, you and I and a lot of other people as well since President uh, Trump took office and really even since he uh, since he started running and talking about the swamp, um, that the swamp is real. It exists. And there are so and, and so does the deep state. There are so many members, sadly, of President Trump's own party who break with him on this. Uh, that's why they don't have the votes. That's why Nancy and Chuck have even said, uh, you know, you don't talking about the, to, to the president by way of the media. You know, you don't have the votes to get your five billion. You don't you certainly don't have the votes to get your twenty five billion. And part of the reason is he doesn't even have all of the votes from his own party. Um, what does that tell you, Tom, about uh, the chances of getting any of these things done, either before or after this Congress comes to an end, when he can't even get Republicans to sign on board with what the American people gave him, Donald Trump, a mandate to do when they voted for him in 2016? Hillary said, open borders, Western Hemisphere. Uh, Donald Trump said, build a wall. The American people chose the wall, and yet his own party will not support that, at least not all of them. Well, so... That's the crux of the problem, and that's why this ad is calling on the president to reach out to the grassroots and reconnect, because those people aren't Republicans. We're Republicans. Those are rhinos. They're Republican in name only. They've never been Republican. And the problem you and I both know, we face it every election season, is that there's all these people on the ballot that we don't like who aren't who they say they are and the president endorsed lots of them this last election the time is coming where the president needs to endorse the people that we the people put up to run because that's how you change washington and and to this day he hasn't done enough of that and they've sold them down the river and that's why he doesn't have the votes so we are looking for a sea change. And I'll tell you a great tell for your listeners to watch. And that is this chief of staff race, because the first two names you heard were uh, Meadows and, and Mulvaney, who are both Freedom Caucus guys. And I turned to my wife and I said, oh, we'll see about this. Let's see if the deep state, if the Republican establishment will even 
come close to letting Trump have Freedom Caucus people as his chief of staff. The next thing you know, there's four people, and then there's five people, and now there's another person. If, if Trump hires Bossy or, or, or Mulvaney or Meadows to be his chief of staff, that will tell you he's getting the message that he's got to turn to us, to we the people, and away from the Republican establishment if he's going to win. If he doesn't do that, we're in real trouble, and his reelection in 2020 is in dire danger. I'm Tom's scared up. to death. Tom Zawistowski is our guest. He's the president of the We the People Foundation, also the uh, founder of the Portage County Tea Party. Um, Tom, let me play devil's advocate on this. Um, understand it is truly a devil's advocacy position because I would love to see more Freedom Caucus influence on the White House and on the West Wing. And having, having one of those guys as chief of staff is fantastic. But the argument could be made that if the president does that, he is actually going to be further away from and out of touch with many of the establishment Republicans in the Congress and and establishment Republicans in the deep state because the Freedom Caucus, for all of the love that you and I and others, Peter Kersenow and others, shower upon them for really, truly representing we the people and doing what uh, you know they said they would do. They're trying their best. They are very, very limited. There's 35 to 40 members of it, and we saw what happened when Jim Jordan threw his hat in there for minority leader against Kevin McCarthy. He got, what, 43 votes total, uh, and McCarthy had 150 or whatever the number was. Um, in other words, the Freedom Caucus, for as awesome as they are in their intentions, and they're actually living up to the, uh, to the um, uh, oath that, that they took to represent us in the way that we want them to, their, their, their reach, their effectiveness is sometimes very limited. Can the president get anything done if he's going to have a chief of staff represented by you know, a caucus member? So that's the, the challenge we've always faced, right? <laughs> it's the lesser of two evils. It's, you know, it's, you know, you can't get anything done unless you compromise and you work with them. But but I have learned in our tenures in the Tea Party that politics is a game of force, not influence. You need to literally make people do things they don't want to do. That's what political power is. The president hasn't followed that course, it, whether it's, you know, the Mueller investigation, which is totally illegitimate and illegal. The fact that they haven't appointed a second special counsel is, is part of the problem. When they punch you, you need to punch them back. The president does that great on Twitter and verbally. That doesn't matter. You've got to put people in jail. You've got to make them pay for what they're doing. And so with the, the, the Republican establishment, I remember two years ago, Bob, at one week after the president was elected, the first thing they did was convince him to elect Paul Ryan, to, to support Paul Ryan as speaker. And we all grabbed our hair and pulled it out, except for Kirsten and I couldn't do that, and, and, and screamed and said, what is he doing? Because that signed the death warrant for the repeal of Obamacare and the border wall. And then, and then we've got you know, Paul Ryan as a lame duck for a year, and now we have a lame duck speaker in charge of a lame duck Congress. How does that work? The president needed to push him out to do whatever it takes. So what I'm saying to you is I don't see how you get along with people who are trying to destroy you. I think you have to destroy them before they destroy you. And I know that sounds aggressive to people, but, but we've learned in 10 years that if you don't fight the way they fight, you're going to lose. And the president better figure that out real soon or we're all going to lose our liberty and our freedom.
Yeah, I don't believe in bringing metaphorical knives to metaphorical gunfights either. I'm with you, and I have no problem with the aggression. I am only looking at uh, the reality of it or questioning the reality of it and whether or not it will be effective. But aggressive, absolutely effective. Well, that depends on, I guess, the uh, uh, how, how committed people are to the cause. But I really yep. appreciate everything you're doing here. It's a great ad. I, I, I Like I said, I, I want to share it, by the way, if you can find a way <clears> – <throat> To make that shareable on social media, I would like to do that. I only have it as a PDF, and I don't know how to take a PDF and put it on Twitter or on Facebook. So if you've got a graphic, you can send me, Tom. I'll try to spread it out throughout my social media following as well so we get more and more people uh, behind the cause. Okay? Right, Bob. I'll text you a JPEG. That should work. And I really appreciate all that you do. And, and again, I wish you a very Merry Christmas and all of your listeners as well. And to you as well, Tom. Thanks so much. Tom Zawistowski right here on AM 1420. The answer, it's 1052. Let's get our final check of traffic and time out here and come back in and squeeze a call or two in before the top on AM 1420. The answer. Ten fifty-five. final segment of the Bob France Authority, excuse me, for this um, Tuesday morning. I want to go right back to the phones, get a couple of people in before we're done. Scott is calling us from Fremont uh, here on AM 1420, The Answer. Hi, Scott. Go right ahead. Hey, I agree with everything uh, Tom Z just said, but I would add one more thing. Uh, The founders pledged their lives, their fortunes, their sacred honors. Is this no less an important, is American sovereignty no less an important issue? Why don't we start a GoFundMe page? Fund it ourselves. Um, because we can't. Because two hundred because because twenty five billion dollars is just not reasonable. I've done these numbers before, Scott. Um, and and because I, I I'm with you. By the way, in theory, I'm with you in in I you know in the in the uh, in the idea and the prospect of saying let's do this ourselves. So I because I've had other people suggest this before, and I've run the numbers before. $25 billion, which has been the accepted amount to, to, to construct the border wall, right? Let's suppose every single wom- uh, 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 man, woman, and child in this country uh, uh, was willing to donate, which, of course, they won't be, to, to fund the border wall, right? That would be $25 billion divided by roughly $320 million as our population, okay? Um, you, you take away the fact that roughly $74 million children in this country under 18 so let's leave it to the adults now we're down to 246 million adults if you divide 25 billion by 246 million adults it's roughly 10162 per person but let's now further recognize that half of them do not support the border wall they're democrats they're hillary nancy pelosiites we saw that by roughly a 50 percent 50 percent split in the last election so now we're down to cutting 246 million to 123 million people if every single one of them wanted to contribute now it's 20325 per person or considering a married couple now we're at $406 per married couple per person to donate to a gofundme account to build that border wall if you had 100% participation among those who uh, who might be supportive of such a thing but as you know we don't live in a country where every person has $400, every family has $400 to put toward this. Take away the impoverished, take away those who are lower middle class or even middle class. They don't have $400 check to write. So you I understand my point be, here? We're getting to yeah, a place here where it would, take, it would take the wealthiest among us to contribute an extraordinary amount to, uh, to a border wall to get us to $25 billion. And quite frankly, as much as I like the idea, 
I, 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 it's not feasible. It's not reasonable to expect that we would have that many people being willing willing to do it. It'd be a down payment, perhaps. Uh, but you know, <laughs> and you, but but you know you know what, Scott? What might encourage more participation in such a thing would be. Uh, would be a down payment made by the government if we can get this five billion, let's say, to, you know, pass through the the Congress right now that we're talking about. If the president can get that five billion, maybe it incentivizes people to say, "All right, we're on our way. Maybe we can do this now. Maybe we can come up with the rest or another ten the billion." Answer, on the our answer own. is for the Republicans to stand up. Bingo. Yeah, exactly right. And be willing, as Tom said, to shut down the government in order to do what they promised the American people they would do. And that's, uh, I agree with Tom, Tom Z 100% on that. That's all the time we've got. Thanks for a great show today. Gallagher's next. Enjoy the silence. This is AM 1420, The Answer. WHK, Cleveland, the service of Salem Communications. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here. Here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. And I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. Salemnow.com.